as a church here in Carrollton, Georgia, we've been studying the book of Revelation. And in chapter 14, we noticed a beautiful image. The chapter begins by describing a group of people who were sealed from among men. A group of people who are bearing the seal of the living God. And this group of people is able to stand when Jesus comes. In chapter 15, we see the same group of people who were sealed in this chapter, in chapter 14. But um, we notice that they are in a difficult circumstance here. Chapter 15 begins by presenting the seven angels who are getting ready, who are preparing to pour upon this earth the seven last plagues, the wrath of God, judgment. And um, how would you feel knowing that you are about to face these judgments of God? How would you feel knowing that probably you will be living in the time when these events are going to take place? Are you going to be happy? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to go to look for help? Let's see what these people of God are doing. If we are looking in verse 3, it says that they are not afraid. They are singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. In this time, when the judgments of God are made manifest, these people of God, they are singing. They are singing. How can they sing in the time of this trouble? They know that for them, Jesus is their shelter. Jesus is their shelter. Jesus is their safety in this time of trouble. And if we go back to the time of Moses, we find the same image there. God's people being in Egypt for about 400 years. God is sending them um, savior, someone to deliver them from this um, land. Moses comes taking them out from Egypt. But before they went out, they had some trials. Pharaoh apparently didn't want to allow them to go. And because of that, God sent upon the land of Egypt judgments. And they received the plagues of God. All the land was affected, but the people of God, they had a shelter. Their shelter was God. Their shelter was Jesus Christ. And in him, they were saved. In the time when the other sides of the city met trials, faced different difficulties, persecution, God's condemnation, these people of God, they were able to stay secure because God was for them a shelter. What a beautiful thought to find yourself in the middle of crisis victorious. In the time when everyone is discouraged, in the time when everyone is despairing, the people of God says that they are singing. So how can we be victorious in the time of crisis? There is a promise in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it, and it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it.
What a beautiful thought. This crisis is coming, but it says that Jacob, which is representing the people of God, the ones who were sealed in chapter 14 of Revelation, they will be saved from this crisis, from this time of trouble. How can I be victorious? How can I make sure that in that time of crisis, I will be one of these people singing and not being afraid? In the Bible, we have um, the experience of Jacob. And Jacob was a man of victory. And we can read his experience to learn from him how to gain victory over this crisis that we are going to face. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two woman servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his tight, and the hollow of Jacob's tight was out of joint, as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. In these few verses, we see the experience of Jacob. And um, as we read in verses 22 and 23, Jacob had 11 sons. I don't know how um, old were them, but um, especially when um, you have more on your side, you tend to trust on them. You tend to think that um, no one is going to fight you, because you have a support. There will be someone fighting for you. But as we notice in verse 24, who was helping him wrestling with this man? The verse begins, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So you noticed that in this time of trouble that we are going to face, there is no one around us. Jacob had 11 sons. No one was there to help him. In the time of trouble, in the time of crisis that is just before us, we are going to have to face it by ourselves. There are no friends. There are no family. There are no companions around us to give us a help. But we have to stand before God alone. So Jacob in this time, says that he was wrestling with this man by himself. We shall find that we must let loose of all hands except the hand of Jesus Christ. Friends will prove treacherous and will betray us. Relatives deceived by the enemy will think that they are doing God's service in opposing us and putting forth the utmost efforts to bring us into hard places, hoping we will deny our faith but we may trust our hand in the hand of Christ amid darkness and peril. In whom can we trust in this time? 
only in Jesus. Jacob had 11 sons, no one was there. He had probably even people taking care of his animals, no one was there. In the same time, in the time of trouble, friends will not be there. And even if they will be there, they will be there to betray us. Relatives, deceived by the enemy, will think they do God's service in opposing us and putting forth the utmost efforts to bring us into hard places, hoping we will deny our faith. We remember about the experience of Job. At that time, it says that even all his friends came and trying to make him curse God, till the point when even his wife came there asking him, curse God and then you die. He was standing before God by himself and he prevailed. In the same time, we have to stand before God in this time of crisis by ourselves. Relatives deceived by the enemy will think they are doing God's service in trying to persecute us. And in the same time, we have the experience of Saul, which became Paul. He was on the way to Damascus. And at that time, he was really believing that he is doing God an honor, that he is going to persecute, kill those who were following Jesus. He was really believing that he is doing God's service. In whom can we trust our hand? In none other but Jesus. If this is the situation, how can I prepare myself to be strong and firm in this time? Luke chapter 18 verse 7 is presenting the people of God preparing for this time of crisis. And verse 7 and 8 says that they are praying. Verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. God's people preparing for this time of trouble will be a prayerful people. Day and night they are in a strong connection with God. Have you been spending time with God day and night? Have you been crying unto Him day and night, preparing for this time, for the crisis that is just before us? Verse 8 says that, I tell you that He will avenge them. The Lord is not going to forget us in that time if today we cry before Him day and night. Satan knows that today is our preparation time, that we might prepare ourselves, that we might gain strength for the time when Jesus comes. And he says that he is using every device possible in this healing time to keep the minds of God's people from the present truth and to cause them to waver. He knows that in this time we should pray that we might be able to get ready for that time of crisis. So what does he do? He is bringing all kind of stuff before us. He is trying to keep us busy. We're too tired, giving us too much work to worry about. And at the time when we are coming before God, we are too tired to talk to Him. And I remember one time, uh, as I was um, arriving late home, driving many hours, I arrived home, and before I go to sleep, I kneeled down to thank God for bringing me safe at home. But I was so tired that even my brain couldn't assimilate the words I was thinking. Satan knows that this time that we have is our time to prepare for eternity. How are you using this time? How are you taking advantage of this 
precious gifts that God has given you, especially in this time of crisis that everything is closed, the schools are closed, the uh, stores are closed, everything is closed. We don't have to worry so much about time. God has given us this time that we were asking for it. How are you using this? This time, we need to prepare for eternity. Those who labor with their hands and those who labor in word and doctrine must have a care to sustain their physical powers. For Satan and his evil angels are warring against them, seeking to undermine their strength. When they can, they should take rest both in body and mind, and should eat of nourishing food, for they will be obliged to use all their power they have. Satan knows that we need to use our strength to prepare for this time of crisis. When we overwork ourselves, we won't have even time for prayer. And even if we have some time, our physical powers, our physical strength is so low that our brain is not assimilating what we are speaking about. I saw that it does not glorify God in the least for any of his people to make a time of trouble for themselves. There is a time of trouble just before us, but he will prepare us for that fearful conflict. The time we are living in is not to be made a time of trouble. The time of trouble is before us, and we read even from the beginning, such a day that was never before. In this time, we should take time to prepare ourselves to be able to be victorious in that time. We mentioned that um, the people of God who are able to stand before him when he comes are prayerful people. And there are different type of prayers. Personal prayer, family prayer, church prayer meeting. But which one of these is the most important? All of them are beautiful. The personal prayer, we spent a personal time with God in our private room. The family prayer, the time when in the morning, in the evening, and even when we come to receive the Sabbath and um, to conclude the Sabbath, it's a beautiful time to be together with your family and to worship God together. And then the church prayer meeting. Do you remember the experience of Peter when he was in the prison? What a beautiful thought. Someone was praying for him. The church was praying for him. But which one of these is the most important? The personal prayer. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night? They cry before God day and night. God's people are praying people. They are always connected with God. That's why the word of God is advising us, pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Every day, every single moment, we have to be connected with Christ. Many times I was asked the question, how can I pray? And always I would point these people to Jesus because Jesus was the person having a personal relationship with God, a strong personal relationship with God. And um, if we look to his prayer life, we can see in chapter 22 of Luke, verse 42, he was praying this way in the time when he was facing a crisis in his life, if it is thy will, remove this cup from me, Lord. Imagine Jesus facing this crisis. It was just the night before his crucifixion. It was just the night when he was sold. Who was there with him? 
Where were his friends? He says that his friends, they were sleeping. His friends were not there. They could not help him. But Jesus had to face this trial by himself. And he's praying, Lord, if it is thy will, remove this cup from me. But when did he start to pray? It was just the moment when he faced the tribulation in his life. If we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we find Jesus that in the morning, a long time before daylight, he got up and went out to a quiet place, and there he gave himself up to prayer. What is the first thing that you are doing in the morning when you wake up? Jesus was developing a schedule of prayer. Even when he wasn't facing any trials, he knew that he must be always in a strong relationship with the Father. And in the morning, a long time before daylight, he would go out to a quiet place and pray. And keep that in mind, that this was happening in the time when there were no cell phones to set an alarm to wake up. Jesus was waking up every morning without an alarm. He knew that now I have to wake up and go and talk with my father. He knew that. We learn also about Daniel that he was a prayerful person. And um, about him we learned that he was praying three times a day. And it's interesting about him being there in Babylon. We learned that he was preferred among the others. The king liked him. And um, when the king started liking him, his friends started being jealous about that. And then they prepared him a curse. At that time, they present before the king a new law that no one can worship no other gods except the king. What do you think that Daniel did when facing this crisis? Because Daniel was a man of God. Daniel was a man praying to God. What do you think that he was doing? In verse 10, we read that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the law was given, approved, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did a fourth time. What did Daniel do? And gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. What does this word a fourth time mean to you? It means that even before that, even before this crisis to come, Daniel knew how to kneel before God and pray. He was setting a time when to come and meet with God. He had a very important meeting with God. And even at this time, when this law was given, he said that I cannot miss my meeting with God. This is my personal time with God. I have a meeting, a very important meeting with him, so I have to be there. So he did, as he was accustomed, three times a day to pray before God. When this time of crisis is going to show up, it will be too late for us to develop a relationship with Christ. I remember one time when I was in school, we had a break because of um, a heating problem at school, and um, we knew that we had homeworks. But, of course, like every other child, we just took advantage of this time of freedom to play and to do all other stuff except schoolwork. And um, we postponed from one day to another, till one evening, when I heard at the radio that from tomorrow, 
the school is opened. At that time, I was stressed, I was nervous, I didn't know what to do. I went to my notebooks, I opened them, but I tell you that I didn't know where to start. There was so much work to do, so much lessons to learn, such a short time. The same way will be even when Jesus comes. He says that at that time, it will be a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but a famine and a thirst for the word of God. And those people who did not make any preparation to face this crisis, they are going to be despairing. They are going to run to and fro from one side of the earth to another to look for the word of God, and they won't find it. Now is the time of preparation. Daniel prayed even before he was facing the time of trouble. Jesus was praying even before he was facing the final crisis that he had. And also it says that Jacob's night of anguish, when he wrestled in prayer for deliverance from the hand of Esau, represents the experience of God's people in the time of trouble. Jacob is facing the crisis. What is this crisis about? He was wrestling with God to see if there is any sin left, any sin unconfessed. His only hope was in the mercy of God. His only defense must be prayer. Yet, he leaves nothing undone on his own part to atone for the wrong to his brother and to avert to the threatened danger. So should the followers of Christ, as they approach to the time of trouble, make every exertion to place themselves in a proper light before the people to disarm prejudice and to avert the danger which threatens liberty of conscience. We notice that Jesus and Daniel, they were praying even before facing the crisis. The same way did even Jacob. He says that the same way, even the people of God who are preparing to stand before God in this time of crisis, they have a time of preparation now. There is a need of preparation to do what? They have to place themselves in a proper light before the people, to disarm prejudice, and to avert the danger which threatens liberty of conscience. We should daily dedicate ourselves to God and believe He accepts the sacrifice without examining whether we have that degree of feeling that corresponds with our faith. Feeling and faith are as distinct as the East is from the West. Faith is not dependent on feeling. We must earnestly cry to God in faith, feeling or no feeling, and then leave our prayers. Our assurance and evidence is God's word, and after we have asked, we must believe without doubting. When Jacob was running away from his house, he dreamed that ladder. And on that ladder, what did he see there? He saw Jesus there on the top of the ladder and the angels ascending and descending from heaven. At that time, God is making a promise with him. At that time, God is making a covenant with him. And now, after so many years, Jacob is still remembering those promises and he is claiming there. What about you? The Bible is full of promises, beautiful promises. Have you spent time reading them? Because if you do not know they exist there, you won't be able to claim there. It's like someone it's um, giving you a house or whatever other goods, but you don't know about that. Are you able to claim for it if you have no idea that that thing exists there? So the same way, 
The promises of God are here for each one of us. Have you spent time reading them? Let us get familiarized with that, because in the time of crisis, we are going to be able to claim them. In preparing for this victory, there are these two steps to be a prayerful person. Day and night, he says that they are crying before God. To be a prayerful person, then to know the promises of God that you might be able to claim them. And what's next? Because Jacob was doing this too. But was this enough? In Luke chapter 11, we find an image of persistence. And we read about an experience when one person goes to his friends in the midnight. And he says that which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot raise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not raise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So you see here a person that he knows that one of his friends, one of his relatives, or one guest is coming to visit him, and he is going to arrive around midnight. He's looking around. He has nothing to give him to eat. And at that time, he thinks, how shall I solve this problem? And where to go if you cannot go to your friends? And he went to his friend at midnight, knocking to his gate, to his door, probably ringing the bell, and asking, friend, give me some bread. What did the friend said from inside the house? Trouble me not. It's midnight. I'm already sleeping. I'm already in bed. Everyone whom I should care for, my children, who, those who are mine, are here with me in the house. Go away. Trouble me not. And Jesus says after that, I say thee that this person is not receiving the bread because of their beautiful friendship, but because of his importunity. He heard once that this friend is not going to give him any bread, but he starts begging again. He starts asking and asking and asking till he received. So what does it mean, this importunity? It means to be persistent. You pray, you know God's promises there, you are claiming there, but that's not enough. You need to persist in your supplication before God. You need to Keep asking him, to keep praying, to keep worshiping him, to keep spending this personal time with him. And in that time, when you will face this crisis, you will be able to stand. In the same way, we find Jacob. He was a prayerful person. He was confessing his sins. In this time, he was claiming God's promises because he was always remembering that God made a covenant with him. But was that enough? He was persistent. In uh, verse 26, 27, we read that he said, let me go, the man that he was wrestling with, for the day breaketh. And he said, no, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. But let me go. You see, the sunrise is approaching. What did Jacob say? I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. He was persistent. And what was the result of this? 
Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has no power with God and with man and has prevailed. Jacob prevailed. What a beautiful thought to know that there is a promise, even for you, that you will receive victory through Jesus Christ. How can we be victorious? There are these three steps that Jacob followed. First, he was a prayerful person, praying, confessing his sins, leaving his prayers. Then he remembered the promises that God made with him, and now he was claiming them. And the third step was he was persistent. And being persistent, he received. God gave us a time of revival. Uh, this time of grace that we are living in, it's a time that we might strengthen ourselves in faith. And um, we know that when this crisis is coming, even persecution will be there. But will I be able to stand? Will you be able to stand before all this crisis? As the defenders of truth refuse to honor the Sunday Sabbath, some of them will be thrust into prison, some will be exiled, some will be treated as slaves. To human wisdom, all this now seems impossible. But as the restraining spirit of God shall be withdrawn from men, and they shall be under the control of Satan, who has the divine precepts, there will be strange developments. To our human understanding, it's hard to assimilate that a time of persecution is coming. I even remember a friend of mine asked me a few weeks ago, do you think that this persecution is going to come to America? And I said, yes, I believe. The Bible is telling us that persecution will come to God's people. People won't believe, but there will be strange developments that will prepare us for that. And this crisis provoked by this coronavirus is just one of these steps into preparing ourselves to understand that, yes, what the Bible says is going to fulfill. In the last great conflict, in the controversy with Satan, those who are loyal to God will see every earthly support cut off. Because they refuse to break his law in obedience to earthly powers, they will be forbidden to buy or sell. Those who are keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, they will see every earthly support cut off. That's something hard, something that is going to try our faith, especially when you know that you have a car, but your license is not valid anymore. To know that you have a car at home, but you have no right to be on the street, you are illegal even walking, all the earthly supports will be cut off. And also, they won't be able to sell or buy. And that's why it's very important to listen to God's warnings, Go out of the cities. Live in the countryside. And I was looking to this crisis with this coronavirus. I saw people locked down in their apartments, especially if they had children. Imagine how much patience would the child have to stay there inside the house 24-7. That's something hard. But when you have a garden, in this time when they forbid you not to go out on the street, in this time when they forbid you to sell or buy, you go out, you take your onions, you take your tomatoes, and you are able to support yourself, not despair, but preserve your faith. Satan says, for fear of wanting food and clothing, they will join with the world in transgressing God's law. The earth will be wholly under my dominion, he says. Are you going to deny your faith in Jesus for fear of wanting? 
how will you be able to stand? For a time, the oppressors will be permitted to triumph over those who know God's holy commandments. To the last, God permits Satan to reveal his character as a liar, an accuser, and a murderer. Thus, the final triumph of his people is made more marked, more glorious, more full and complete. For a moment, it seems that Satan has triumphed over us. We should not despair. The promise is there that Jacob is going to be saved from this time of trouble. But there will be no time then to do it, and no mediator to plead their cause before the Father. Before this time, the awfully solemn declaration has gone forth, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now is the time to come to Christ and to ask him, do not live till you bless me. Now, before these words are declared, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. May the Lord help us to take advantage of this time. I saw that none could share the refreshing unless they obtained the victory over every besetment, over pride, selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong, word, and action. We should, therefore, be drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord and be earnestly seeking that preparation necessary to enable us to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Let all remember that God is holy and that none but holy beings can ever dwell in His presence. At this time, we have to gain victories over these things. Pride, every besetment, selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong. Now is the time to do that. Of course, by ourselves, uh, through our strength, we cannot do anything. But through Jesus Christ, we can become transformed. Just think about the experience of John. John and his brother James, they were called Sons of Thunders, and this wasn't their last name, but it was representing their characters. How is it a thunder? You don't know when it's coming, but when it comes, it scares you. The same was even with these two disciples. Their character was this way. Their behavior was this way. Always trying to revenge, always trying to be the best among the others. Can they be victorious in the time of trouble with this character? No. But spending time day by day with Christ, learning from Him, putting all these selfish desires away, they were able to pass through a transformation of character. They allowed Jesus to transform their lives. And at that time, when the crisis came, they were able to be victorious in this crisis. So the same is even with us. We need today to get victory over these things. Had not Jacob previously repented of his sin, God could not have heard his prayer and mercifully preserved his life. So in the time of trouble, if the people of God had unconfessed sins to appear before them while tortured with fear and anguish, they would be overwhelmed, despair could cut off their faith, and they could not have confidence to plead with God for deliverance. But while they have a deep sense of their unworthiness, they will have no concealed wrongs to reveal. 
their sins will have been blotted out by the atoning blood of Christ, and they cannot bring them to remembrance. So you notice here, Jacob, he had to confess his sins in the time of preparation, in the time of grace, in the time of revival that he had before he met this crisis. And at this time, when he faced the crisis, if he wouldn't have confessed his sins, at this time, it would have been too late. But praise the Lord that we have this time as well, a time to prepare, a time to uh, get ourselves ready to meet our God. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His experience testifies to the power of importunate prayer. It is now that we are to learn this lesson of prevailing prayer, of unyielding faith. May the Lord help us and bless each one of us that we might take advantage of this time and prepare for his soon coming. Amen.